Very pleased to welcome uh, Tane Manjrekar. He's the first Indian to travel on a Hyperloop. So, in effect, he's really made history. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you, Tane. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for connecting uh, all the way from the US where you are currently. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Rishi. It's, it's, it's great to get this opportunity to actually talk with you. Uh, doing great. Doing great over here. Uh, meeting some family for Thanksgiving. I was looking forward to the weekend, for sure. And I hope your family and friends are all safe and healthy. Yes, they are. They are. We have been taking all of the precautions that have been uh, required and it's different times difficult times but for sure all of us are taking care and i hope that everyone over there is also doing the same Tane, i believe that you are an engineer who works for virgin hyperloop before we get into the actual mechanics of your first ever trip i want to understand hyperloop technology i mean elon musk touted it to the whole world saying this is technology that is feasible for intercity local transportation and he actually put the idea out in the world but he's not developing it himself a virgin hyperloop is developing it so first and foremost what is it that you do for virgin hyperloop and let's talk a little bit about the technology sure sure so i'd like to actually start off with a, with a brief overview of what hyperloop stands for what it is is what we're trying to develop is an on-demand sustainable mode of transportation this is not another iteration or it's not an incremental development this is just looking at looking at it from like a blank piece of paper and then trying to figure it out how do we get there Yes, Elon Musk did write a white paper. That's actually the way how I was introduced to Hyperloop when I was back in India and I was studying. And it completely captivated me at that point of time. And I just wanted to work on something that can be so dramatically effective. At Virgin Hyperloop, what we're doing right now is we're developing a sustainable mode of electric transportation. So there is a pod and it is inside a sealed enclosure. So it's inside a tube. And the tube, what we do is we suck out the air from there. So it's, it's very close to vacuum. It's not perfect vacuum. What that helps us to do is get rid of the aerodynamic track that you get in normal travel which makes the system very very efficient and then what my role specifically in the company is uh, I, I work as a power electronics specialist what that really means is I, I work on the powertrain the drivetrain of the system which controls the motion of the pod and the dynamics of the pod um, so you right now at dev loop at a test facility we take grid power and then we convert it into into power that we can use to navigate the pod and to actually direct it uh, so the control system that sits along the wayside and the actual propulsion system the motor control that is that is what i work on that's wonderful in effect this is clean and green technology isn't it i mean it is technology that you're actually in a lot of ways sucking out the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere is that true uh, no, not, not, not in that, not in that uh, literal sense, but uh, there are no direct emissions. So just like any other mode of electric transportation, you can have this from renewable sources. So you can have solar power or wind power, kind of powering the entire hyperloop if that is possible. But definitely the emissions are way, way lower than what we see right now in commercial air travel or any other modes. A critique of the system says that you need to bring under your control or have a lot of land at your disposal. Is that true? I mean, do you need voluminous tracks? of land for example what you're trying to build between mumbai and pune for example or would you need immense swaths of land no that's that's actually a bit inaccurate the reason why i say that is because the way we are developing a hyperloop like the way we are developing the structure it is supposed to be similar to adding one or two lanes on the freeway so if you look at pune and mumbai right now and we have an expressway right uh, so if you were to think about say two or three lanes extra additional of additional land on that freeway that is what a hyperloop would look like it would be similar the construction and also the installation is similar you would have pylons on which you have these concrete tubes and yeah, I mean, environmental impact, we, we, we're not only looking at environment in terms of emissions, it's also how much land do you take, how much environment do you disrupt. Those are very, very important for us. So this goes into our route alignment studies of how, what is the lowest footprint that we can have and how, how is it that we can least impact. Uh, so sure, there will be tunnels in some cases where it actually makes sense. 
it makes the whole system more efficient. But yes, en- environmental concerns are, are a big thing for us. And do you need a straight line in which to travel on? Or can you just turn around corners and can the Hyperloop actually go around turns and, you know, wider dimensions? Right. So it, it doesn't need to be perfectly straight. The, the way we compare it is with, if you look at high-speed rail, right now we are improving the curve radius by about a 4x. So that's a significant improvement over what, what is in an existing system. Obviously, you cannot really take a 90-degree turn, for instance, but there is still, like, curves are fine. Be That is how we align our routes. That's wonderful. And a lot of people are asking whether this can also transport goods. I mean, right now it's been looked at as purely human transportation. But eventually, will Hyperloop be able to take goods, you know, across distances? Yeah, I mean, it is, the for us, the, the goods case kind of looks more similar to what you would see in airplanes, is packetized transportation. So it doesn't really have to be containers, but it can still be packetized goods just as you transport it through an airplane. So th- those are the similar markets that we're targeting. Interesting. Okay, now let's come to all the excitement. You were actually the second duo to get on and the first Indian ever to get on. I believe the CTO of uh, Virgin Hyperloop, uh, Mr. Waldo himself, was the first to get on. So what was your experience like? And I believe you did the this in the Nevada desert in the US. Yeah. So give us your experience. Sure, sure thing. Well, first, just a small correction over there. It was a CTO, Josh Geigel. Uh, okay. Jay Walter is our CEO. Uh, so Josh Geigel and Sarah Lu- uh, Luciani, they were the ones who were the first. Super. Duo. Myself and Anne, we were the second ones to go in, but it was it was really incredible to to, to say the least. Because I've, I've been working at this place for about five years, and for me, it was pretty much a trip down memory lane. When we when we sat in the pod, it was um, I was involved in the open air test, so the, the very the very bare bones of the system, where we were only testing the propulsion system in an in an open environment, and then we put that in a tube, and then that became DevLoop, and then going from DevLoop, which is a tube with a with a pod in it, now we have people in it, so it, it is this incremental development that was just kind of flashing back in front of me and it was it was a really surreal experience i mean to do i think i'd always dreamt about working on a hyperloop but like to, to ride in one was not even a dream honestly uh, i mean to be the first to ride was not even a dream honestly so it was it was a very surreal experience so you did what 500 meters and what speed did you go up to if you look at kilometers per hour i know in the u.s they say miles per hour but i'd like you to say it for in kilometers for our listeners and how long did you take so you know your time taken your distance and the speed sure. so the tube at DevLoop is that's around half a kilometer and we did not cover the entire length of the tube because we wanted to safely sh- stop before we reach the end the acceleration was at 0.9 g's and then it took us around six seconds to go from zero to 170 kilometers an hour and then wow. from that point on once it was about nine nine minutes of slowing down in a pretty comfortable manner that's amazing so, that is the entire journey. so it's about 160 170 kilometers per hour you did it in about 6.25 seconds when talking would you say about 400 meters yeah yeah that's that's around 400 meters that, that's 400 where meters. the pod stopped at the end yeah and the pod itself is you know you describe the near vacuum scenario inside but yes. how does it levitate i mean are there magnets that make it levitate is that yes, the way there, it does there are magnets there are magnets and there's a track and what we get is repulsive force when you pass magnets at high speeds over seed rack and that is how we're basically getting levitation and is there any sideward movement at all was it totally smooth and still tell us about it the is, experience in there sure 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 so it is it is actually pretty 
pretty smooth because we do also take care of gu uh, guidance. That's that's what we have. Some magnets that are used for levitation. We have some magnets that are used for guidance. So it kind of constrains you in 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 all axes. And when we were in the pod, like there was only a little bit of movement front and backwards, but the lateral motion was very small uh, as as compared to like it's barely noticeable, honestly. And any lateral forces are barely noticeable. You just pretty much go go straight down. And and there is also just so much excitement at that point that um <laughs> you do you do miss out on noticing the small details. Well, I thought you'd be dressed up like an astronaut, uh, Tane, but you and your uh, your mate in there were in regular workman clothes. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and yeah, what, sure. is it a very tight seat belt, or is, does it fit snugly? I believe the seats themselves are vegan, so there's no actual leather being used in there. So just a little bit about the comfort aspect and uh, you know the interiors of it. The whole concept for us is that like people like you and me, we should be able to just go and ride a hyperloop, right? Sure. This is not meant for. Uh, I mean, this is definitely meant for astronauts and pilots, but they don't need to wear their suits when they go in. That that is that is been the passenger experience side for us it has to be very normal right even the seats and the interiors honestly it felt like it was a really nice luxury sports car that's how it felt like uh, from inside like lots of like room over there and really really nice nice comfortable seats the the seat belts they weren't really too tight i mean it was it was basically based on our preference how much we wanted to tighten them but it was it was really comfortable uh, there is. It didn't feel like we were doing anything different. Uh, in, and in, in are there windows? Are there windows? Because a lot of people could get claustrophobed. How do you eventually envision it? If there are no windows, will there be uh, graphics running? Will there be television screens, video monitors? Sure. So right now in this spot, we did have three windows. There were two on the sides and then one in the front. And I mean, it was having windows over there was pretty cool because you could actually see the tube and just see yourself zooming past. So I, I had I had a great time looking out of the window, honestly. But then going forward for passenger experience purposes like we, we understand that there can be things like claustrophobia etc that's why we won't actually be having windows what you would have is inside and i don't know if you had a chance to take a look at the pod that we displayed in dubai like a year or two ago there were some really really futuristic looking screens operational obviously looking screens and edge and user interfaces which would make the experience very comfortable for people this this is not really something where people need to be worried about claustrophobia or something this is this is more towards just having an enjoyable experience during your ride Indians will always ask you, how does one get on and get off? You know, will it be as, as congested as a Mumbai local train station? Or are we just looking at escalators which will take you up the towers? You mentioned the Mumbai-Pune Highway, the expressway. So if you're looking at it in the extreme ends of the expressway, are you saying an escalator will take us up and pods will just keep coming in? Like, you know, you go to these hill stations, especially in Europe, and these carts just keep coming down and people just get on and go. Is that somehow like what it's going to be like? Right. So, I mean, I'm not sure if that's going to be an escalator and an elevator right at the station but what how we envision this to actually work out is the pods are definitely going to be on demand what i mean by on demand is that it's it's not like a train where you have to be at the station at 9 a.m. and every like, the entire train fills at the same time. This was more towards if you're there at 9 o'clock, you, you have a pod standing in front of you. And these pods are going to be around 28 people. That's what we envisioned, but the final pod will be around 28 people per pod. If you were to miss the first pod, there would be another one in a, in a minute or two. So that's that's really like you just walk in and there is a pod in front of you. There's no real wait time over there. And definitely, like if you can packetize transport in that sense, like if you can packetize the movement of people, then it also alleviates the, the bottlenecks that we create. That is so cool. 
cool so are you working on the nevada project are you working on the mumbai pune project there's also another one i believe at the bengaluru airport which is from the bengaluru airport to the main city they're also thinking of doing hyperloop so what is your current assignment then <laughs> working i'm actually working on a lot of things right now so it, it's not specifically focused towards one uh, right now most recently i was working on pegasus which is the demonstration for a safety case in which passengers were traveling but at the same time i've been working on some future projects and the, the next immediate step for us is actually certification in west virginia uh, which is in the united states that's where we want to certify pods at full speed and across the full length and that would be the immediate next thing that i'll be working on but definitely from that point onwards it's towards deployment now it can be in pune and mumbai it can be in bangalore airport or or anywhere else in the world i mean I'm really really looking forward to it like the bangalore airport kind of when we announced if you we were doing that study i got a lot of amazing feedback from there a lot of my friends called me up and they were like this would change so much because we spent like three hours trying to get to the airport yeah. and my dad called me up and my dad was like if you do realize that if this would have existed like 20 years ago when he was traveling a lot he would have saved so much time and spent it probably with us right at home like but that is kind of what the value proposition is in, in places like Pune, Mumbai and in Bangalore is we want to give people back the time that they can spend for, for more important things rather than just traveling that's wonderful and Pegasus you said you call it so the pod that which you traveled in is actually called Pegasus is that is that the name uh, that has been given well the pod is called XP2 and oh. the program the project that is called Pegasus Pegasus okay so now right. Pegasus is supposed to be the safety demonstration but let's have it from you eventually when Hyperloop comes up Mumbai to Pune will be covered in how many minutes and what are the top speeds that you're hoping to achieve let's say in a pod carrying 28 people right so Pune to Mumbai we, we think we can actually achieve that in, in under 30 minutes wow. um, are, a lot of the route alignment is actually similar to the Pune Mumbai expressway right now so it's pretty much going to follow that path and then there might be some additional tunneling etc that happens and for for speeds I mean it's, it's, it's really more about making that whole experience comfortable for people right um, so for us it is about well how do you accelerate and how do you slow it down because people what people speed, feel is acceleration it's not really speed speed is relative acceleration is what we feel as force and that is why the speed is pretty much it'll be under 700 miles an hour for sure but it is going to be up in that range. miles you said 700 miles an hour yes so that that's like a thousand kilometers an hour that is the, that is the top target speed that we have right now but based on the route alignment that would be a little less more more or less but it's, it's more really driven by passenger comfort as opposed to anything else awesome stuff and if all goes goes to plan when do you think we'll be up and running mate uh, you think 2022 or 23 i'm sure the pandemic must have pushed back plans a little bit yeah the, the pandemic has pushed back plans a little bit i think we are now again starting to see some good progress it is like the things that are going on in india are really getting exciting now and for us right now 2025 is what we envision when we can actually get the whole system certified in our west virginia facility in us and then before the, by the end of the decade is, is what the target would be for a completely operational hype loop um, awesome so, tanya for a young engineer like you is working on like you said your dream project who would be an inspiration i mean there are lots of you've been surrounded by inspirational stories around you elon musk we talked about richard branson the maverick entrepreneur you know genius is also a major investor in your company so who do you look upon as as inspirational i mean as for me inspiration starts at home wow. uh, it's also my uh, my dad and uncle like they really have this curiosity about solving difficult problems and, and that's what i've learned from them and then my mom for for the empathy that she brings in that's like for me inspiration really starts at home and then yes from that point onwards it's it's elon musk it's richard branson it's it's, it's people whom i've actually worked with at hyperloop it's surprising i mean the number of people that i've worked over here and the dedicated team that we have had all of those people inspire me on a day-to-day basis to come back and, and do it awesome so, so uh, your dad and uncle also engineers or mathematicians yeah what are they <laughs> 
Yeah, so my, my dad's an electrical engineer uh, and, and my uh, uncle's a mechanical engineer. And you, what did you graduate as? What so I, I graduated as uh, I graduated as an electrical engineer and then I specialized in power electronics. Oh, more towards what my dad worked on, yeah. Super stuff. Then a great proud moment for all of us Indians. You became the first Indian to travel in the Hyperloop and more power to you and everything that you're trying to achieve. And maybe one day I'll meet you taking the Hyperloop from Mumbai to Pune or from Bengaluru oh. to the city. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we should. We should definitely. Whenever there's a Hyperloop in India, let's let's get that right. We should uh, set time we aside should. for it and take that journey together. It'll be a fun, fun journey. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you. Thank you. It was awesome talking with you.